Today on the pod, we're going to review Pet Cemetery. We're also going to go through Netflix and review the new Ricky Gervais TV show, Afterlife. And finally, we're going to dust off the gang talk, Silly to Me, where we're going to discover that dialogue between John Candy and Scarface is actually quite similar. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. This is episode 63. 63! Jesus Christ. Uh, my name is Adam Flint, and joining me on the pod today it is the OG. It is my John McLean, my John Rambo, my John Wick. Anything else, John? There's always a John. John Descamento, how you doing, buddy? I am amazing. I'm keeping the name John alive. I work in schools, and John's dying out, man. There's not many kids called John these days. What about Dave? Is there any Daves left in school? No Daves. Or maybe there's maybe there's a few Davids, but they don't go by Dave when they're seven years old. They should do. All right, Dave. <laughs> We're bringing yeah. Daves back. I'll make sure that the next child I have, I'll add to the Dave quota. Hurry up about Speaking it. Speaking of quotas, uh, you know, again, talking about uh, from those previous pods about people driving your car, what did you think about the last pod with Helen on? Oh, mate, I loved it. Helen is, I'm a little bit uh, starstruck now because she just knew everything. Uh, I think we could do with her on every pod to kind of correct uh, the very few things we get wrong, obviously. But yeah, she was amazing it was great to listen to her and uh, I definitely uh, you know if she wants to come back anytime let's get her back yeah I love the fact that Jamie attempted to correct her on uh, George Lucas directing Star Wars in the 80s I was like quickly tried to WhatsApp and say dude this ain't ain't happening don't 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 go there (laughs) I can't believe Jamie won the game now I thought that was a bit mean well that's what the tiebreakers are for John and that's why we play the game you know it's to to really drive it forward but uh, but Ella was a great sport would love to have her back on we do have loads of other guests lined up throughout the year I will announce them towards the you know as we get approaching the dates of recording but stay tuned for that also we we gave away one of her books um, on our Twitter account earlier on in the week. Rob, you won. Congratulations, buddy. Uh, I will be doing another giveaway of a signed book uh, on Friday. I do have other stuff, but I'm going to wait wait for a rainy day to give some of them out because we've got some other cool deals going on with some pretty cool people sharing some stuff on the Twitter account. Right, I think I've plugged everything I've needed to, John. Shall we crack on with news? News. Right, so midnight last night was a very important day. Why was it a very important day? Well, it was important for the merger of Fox and Disney, should I say. 20th Century Fox was acquired by Disney towards the end of last year, and it's taken a while to get this one over the line, but the merger happened. Uh, What that means is that Disney now runs and owns all of the owned and operated IP that sits under the 20th Century Fox banner. Now, obviously, the first thoughts that come to mind is, yes, X-Men and the Avengers, but actually, there is a ton of other franchises that live under this umbrella. You might not have necessarily joined the dots too straight away. So, can you imagine a world, John, where Disney are producing a Predator movie? Yes, Disney now own Deadpool, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. They How's own- that going to work? Well, I'm kind of hoping they they kind of step back and just say, you know what, <laughs> fuck it. You've got you can have Marvel doing their thing. You've got you've got Lucasfilm doing their thing. It's almost like Mickey Mouse has this gauntlet, which he can acquire key powers, whether that's Star Wars or Marvel and Fox, and at the snap of his fingers, make them all appear on a streaming service. Uh, that is a very scary prospect, but I don't think it. 
I don't think Deadpool's going to change too much. In fact, Ryan Reynolds was tweeting about it this morning. He, you know, classic Ryan Reynolds star, tweeted a picture saying it's like my first day of school and it's a picture of Deadpool with Mickey Mouse ears and he's abbreviated school just to say Paul. <laughs> uh, I thought that was quite cheeky. Mate, it makes me want to go and work for the Disney ships again. I can imagine all the character, the new characters they can acquire. Imagine Deadpool walking around a cruise ship. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, give it that. Thing is, though, that would work. That would totally work. Just like someone in a Deadpool outfit skipping along, giving lollipops to kids and adults because Deadpool is fair to all but also um, the Simpsons tweeted an interesting picture it was a, they quickly got one of their artists I don't I don't although Matt Gronin's names and everything I don't think he actually draws everything um, it was of Homer strangling Mickey Mouse saying welcome to the family man which uh, I was quite surprised they they done that but I think look, the Simpsons has its own place for everyone in their hearts and there is an audience of people that will watch it regardless of what the state of the Simpsons. I think that'll live forever. But did you know, John, that now Fight Club is owned by Disney? Fight Club? Yep. Yep. 21st wow. Century own it, and now, by default, Fox now own it as well. This is all building up to the uh, Disney Plus, isn't it? The streaming service where they're going to have hopefully probably the best content yeah yeah you're probably right there and some interesting crossovers we could potentially have the mary poppins return sequel doing a crossover of the alien world (laughs) yeah i could go for that why not (laughs) but yeah in all seriousness now i generally think the idea of competition is really healthy uh so i'm kind of disappointed that everything will sit under one banner that being said uh you know Disney have done quite a few good things with franchises over the last few years. You know, although some Star Wars fans might disagree with some of that. But um, but yeah, hopefully they'll let the creators create. They'll let the right people stay there. Hopefully Disney can throw enough money at Danny Boyle and say, all right, mate, you know that franchise 28 days later, we actually own it now. So why don't you come back and make that third movie? And don't worry, we won't worry about the whole creative differences part. You're the one in charge of this. Maybe. That is wishful thinking, Flinny, but I I appreciate the uh, your one man campaign to for that to happen. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what wasn't a one man campaign. Thank you for the segue there, my boy. Um, James Gunn, he is back. Uh, this drops literally straight after us recording with Helen uh, last week. Yeah, we messaged her afterwards saying, "God." Damn it, James Gunn's back. Yes, Disney has reinstated Mr. Gunn. Uh, They haven't really said too much other than James Gunn has tweeted how thankful he is to the community and how he hopes he doesn't let them down and all that sort of stuff. But I think this has been going on for a while. Ask me why, John. Uh, Why has it been going on for a while, Flinty? Well, the more eagle-eyed people out there, or shall I say the more nerdier people out there, may have noticed that on the Infinity War posters... James Gunn was put down as a producer. Now, that's fair enough. He produced. He helped on that movie. He was a, a, uh, I suppose, a guardian, for lack of a better word, of the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, lore in terms of the writing for the films and also how that transcends into the crossovers. But if anyone saw the Endgame posters that were dropped at the same time as the post as the trailer, you'd also see that James Gunn was also listed as a, as a producer in Endgame as well. Now... Yes, they filmed some of it back-to-back, but the vast majority of that stuff was filmed long after he was supposedly sacked. So, part of me thinks, did Disney actually sack him, or was it like... I don't know, I don't want to do a conspiracy thing. My point is, is that I think now it looks like it was kind of inevitable he was going to come back, considering all the cast were basically saying, look, 
we'll do it, but we're going to phone it in because we love James Gunn and we, we, we don't feel committed to be able to give the right performance otherwise. And James Gunn pushed the envelope by going to DC and working on that new Suicide Squad. He's now calling it a reboot as well, which is quite interesting. So James Gunn held all the cards and I think he has played him like a fiddle and fair play to him. Disney should have never succumbed to that pressure anyway. It was pathetic that they even got rid of him in the first place. Anyway, who cares? We've got him back and long may it continue. Is it, uh, do you think they've just waited just long enough for the dust to settle? And they're like, and let's get him back. And he's sort of, he must have been known for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, that definitely. This is going on. I love what Ta- Taika Waititi tweeted straight after. He said, what the hell? I thought I was going to do it. <laughs> Which I think you suggested that on this podcast. So I did, yeah. but... Um, he well towards the beginning of the year i think it was um he was linked heavily and he was seen having lots of meetings with marvel and a lot of people were hypothesizing that it could be for the vacant guardians gig and he came out and said no um we've had conversations but not about that franchise as far as i'm concerned that's james's baby and it would be like being it'll be like invading someone's house and sleeping with their wife i think he even used those exact words i personally like if it wasn't james gunn i would have liked to have seen adam mckay come in on this i think he's a great director i love vice i think he's a really interesting writer and he can do the comedy stuff as we've seen with anchorman and stuff in the past anyway john i'll tell you who's one of my favorite actors at the moment go on john david washington the guy i didn't even know he was denzel washington's son um, i first started watching him in a tv show called ballers with the rock um, he's absolutely brilliant in that and he has been cast in a film. Not just uh, his spellbinding performance in Black Klansman, he's now been cast in a Nolan movie. Nolan, remember a while ago, we, we were talking about some news of the new film and he came out and rubbished reports of saying it was a, a North by Northwest slash sci-fi movie. We don't really know too much about this, but the fact that they've got a ca- uh, an actor of this calibre is chuffing awesome. I am so stoked for this. Yeah, oh, mate, Nolan movies are... An absolute landmark for me every every year. One that comes out is always good news. And, uh, yeah, good acquisition. And up-and-coming actor, which is always great. I did not know Denzel Washington had a son, so there we go. Yeah, he's, he's literally got acting royalty in his veins, but he is a damn good actor in his own right. I even think for a, an earlier part of his career, he didn't actually use the Washington part of his name because he was just like, I, I, I want to go out my own thing. So you got to respect him for that. Um, I was speaking to a couple of chaps on Twitter um, earlier on today. You shouldn't do that, Flint. That's nah, dangerous. No, no, no. And the people that follow our account, we're all good, man. And even when we don't agree, we all agree films are awesome. And we were talking about, um, talking about favourite Nolan movies. And it's quite interesting. I think Nolan's kind of like Hitchcock to an extent in terms of you could put a bunch of absolute fanatics in a room of that person's work and say list your favorite movies and you wouldn't necessarily get the same list uh john give me your top three nolan movies oh that's tough dark knight rises um i oh, do you know what? i really liked memento and uh, i'd have to put dunkirk up there uh, i don't think it would make many people's lists but dunkirk i thought was brilliant um Am I miss, I'm no, missing? I'm missing a big well, one. Yeah, you're missing the you're missing the prestige there, buddy. <laughs> oh, that's got to make the top three. It's too hard. You know, you've got a good director. I mean, I could. I think there wouldn't be many that wouldn't that I'd struggle with. So um, yeah, that's a tough one. But 
what about yours? Well, I, I posted at the time. I put Interstellar as as my. I didn't. It wasn't in a particular order, but Interstellar, uh, Dark Knight, and Inception. And as soon as I posted it, I felt like, oh my god! But what about the Prestige? And <laughs> I, uh, although Dunkirk's an experience, and for that in itself, it needs to, it needs sort of recognition for that. It's, it is so hard. And anyway, I am I am hoping that maybe with the help of Mr. John Washington, that we are going to get another entry into that list of impossible to rank uh, Nolan movies. So can't wait. Other stuff that dropped over the last twenty four hours, actually. So Toy Story four. Uh, we've said in this podcast before. Obviously, we're we're stoked about the idea of it, but did we actually need it? It was kind of perfect. The ending of Toy Story three. Did it really need to to carry on in the story? And the first trailer dropped. And John, I'm interested to hear your thoughts now we've got some more insight into this world i'm doing a 180 mate i'm excited again um it only took about four seconds of the trailer for me to get a bit fuzzy and think no of course we should do more movies they they can make as many toy story movies as they like for all i care um yeah it's like it's a new generation it's andy's little sister right no, it's uh, no, no, no. It's the the girl from uh, Toy Story three from the different daycare, like not related to her whatsoever. Oh, of course, of course. What am I like? Um, I'm way behind <laughs> the times. But uh, she makes this stupid little toy, and it comes to life. And I remember you slagging off the spork. I I, <laughs> I think the spork's got legs. If you pardon the pun, I think it's uh, yeah, it looks funny. And I'm I will more than. I'll be more than happy to spend two hours in the company of my best toy friends. You? I wouldn't say I'm completely turned around because I generally think that Toy Story 3 was absolutely fantastic and there was no need to to carry on that story. But that being said, I do agree there is something very charming about uh, the trailer. And one thing, though, that is I think they're trying to prepare us for someone's journey is coming to an end in this film. I don't know who, but someone's is. And if you look at the posters... (laughs) And the way you see Woody tipping the cap and walking away, and that line he says, it cut through me, man. When he went, I don't know how I can how I can do this anymore. I wanted to cry. I was like, your your perpetual happiness, your innocence, your naivete, your everything that is good about youth and helping children become the people they're meant to be. And hearing you say that has cut a hole in my soul, man. Yeah. That is that cut through me. And and they've got God only knows on the soundtrack. We, you know, some something's up, don't you? Yeah, but, exactly. I mean, great tune. I loved all the old music in it too. Um, I mean, someone's got to die, haven't they? At some point, we've got to teach these kids about death. We might as well do it via <laughs> Toy Story Four. Oh my God, Toy Story Four, the story about morality. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I, look, I'm 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 with you with this. I they can cons- no, not they need my fucking approval, but yes, I will. They will have my money. I will be there. They better goddamn have Michael Keaton back as Ken because that was an amazing piece of casting, and he was incredible. He nailed it. They all nailed it. To be fair, but uh, so John, we've been talking about this for a while. I remember when the news broke and we reported on it a couple of days later. Back in episode 30-something about Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. And if you believe that he's going to retire after 10, the penultimate movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's gone for a few different story iterations. Remember when we thought it was going to be a Charles Manson movie? And uh, now it's about the classic age in Hollywood following some pretty cool actors. We got that first poster yesterday and we were all expecting the trailer to drop. And lo and behold, it did What's your first take on this, buddy? Yeah, consider me excited. Um, I think 
I mean, the cast says it all, doesn't it? It's mm. got Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, uh, Al Pacino, Margot Robbie. It's just absolute film royalty spaffed all over it, which is amazing. Um, and it's set in 69 yep. in Hollywood, which is an, a ridiculously intriguing time, especially Westerns, which I think they're sort of based around. That, for me, is like, yeah, I've definitely all the ingredients to uh, be really interesting. And I'm sure it's going to have the uh, um, lots of amazing dialogue and gore, cartoon gore-ish scenes that you expect from Tarantino. Um so yeah, I'm well up, well up for this. How about you? you oh, like? mate, I was so happy to see this trailer drop. When I saw the posters, a lot of people were bitching and moaning about the the photoshopness of it, but I thought it looked cool. Someone gave a quote though, which couldn't help but make me chuckle. Which is, have you seen the poster? It's basically Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio standing opposite each other in a hey cheeky guy sort of pose. And in that poster, um, it kind of looks like they're cosplaying each other. <laughs> in terms of Brad Pitt, generally looks like a very generic Leonardo DiCaprio character, circa Romeo and Juliet. And <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio is dressed in like classic leather, maybe a bit of a Benjamin Button when he's good looking sort of crossplay. So I thought that was absolute genius. Someone spotted that. Um, Trader itself looks absolutely fantastic. That last 20 seconds of Leonardo DiCaprio obviously bouncing off a child actor and some comedy chops are in there. But he shows such range. In those 20 seconds, it shows why he is a modern-day great. He is so good at emoting and switching. And I think he's in a stage of his career when he's just, A, having a bit of a, an experimentation in terms of different styles and and just, you know, do whatever the fuck he wants. And if I think back to his performance in Django Unchained, you know, you wouldn't necessarily associate that character with with uh, positivity but Leonardo DiCaprio's performance you just thought he was incredible in that he was so funny and yet so evil and so everything in between of that and I feel like there's a cusp of that in this performance as well so I cannot wait boom five star there we go straight off the bat straight off the bat I don't even need to see it don't even need to see it but please send us press uh, press screenings for that um <laughs> so John uh, just to wrap it up we'll talk a bit about Netflix Stranger Things season 3 the trailer dropped this evening um, I'm, I'm digging it I'm loving the vibe yeah I spent. you spend the first two minutes of it and you're like oh this is not yeah this is how I remember it it's all nice you f- completely forget you're just you know drenched in 80s nostalgia and it's all really nice and teenagery and then you forget there's aliens and then at the end they kind of whack you with these crazy creatures um but i mean i just i don't want it to be a one-trick pony you know stranger things i don't want it to just become that formula Mm. where it's sort of the juxtaposition between that teenage 80s kind of warmness with these aliens like horror sci-fi and just have that same dynamic every time but i mean the first thing you notice you're like wow who are these kids man they've Mm. changed so much they look so gangly and teenager now don't they which makes <laughs> us all awesome terrifically old we, yeah it is weird but to, i mean we're watching them grow up uh via this show and it's kind of fascinating and you know i think we've all come to love them so yeah definitely looking forward to it i thought i agree with you that there's a bit of a there might be a bit of like repeating on old rhythms to to get us hyped but the whole premise of the trailer to begin with was things change in the summer and 
I'm kind of hoping that we do get a drastic change. And I don't know what that drastic change is, but I kind of hope, like say, I don't ever want that show to be accused of just repeating old tricks, right? So I think this is kind of the, think of it like a Carpenter trilogy. In fact, uh, remember when we done the spoiler special of season two and uh, Jamie, your wife, gave a really good analogy of what if uh, Stephen King direct or what if John Carpenter directed a Stephen King book, this would be that show. And yeah, totally, totally agree with that. And uh, maybe this is the trilogy, and maybe it goes in a completely different direction. It was weird to see him growing up a little bit. It was weird to see, um, oh, what's his name? David Harbour's uh, character, because he's obviously lost a load of weight to get in shape for Hellboy. So, like, it's all of a sudden, it's like, ah, oh, the dude's lost a bit of weight. He's got himself a girlfriend. He's sorted his <laughs> life out. That's cool. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's basically written itself, isn't it? It's like, oh, you're in that movie where you have to get in shape. Okay, let's change the script up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, 4th of July, get it in your calendars, book it off work, binge it. We will be doing a special and uh, join us to talk about it. So anyway, that's your news for this week. Hi, filmy people. In the next segment, it is our review of Pet Cemetery. Uh, we went to a press screening. We actually went to the press screening after we done this podcast recording, so that's why it's been kind of spliced in. Uh, but anyway, sit back enjoy in the woods today LA discovered a charming little landmark the pet cemetery place to bury our pets and remember them might seem scary but it's not perfectly natural just like dying is natural pet cemetery is a remake of the 1989 movie based on the novel by stephen king although stephen king wrote the book the screenplay has been adapted by a gentleman called matt greenberg and um, he wrote films like halloween h2o 1408 and reign of fire just to name but a few uh, i haven't seen the original film so i'm coming in quite fresh to this kind of story although obviously i know the Pulp culture, uh, pop culture references this film has had over the last 20 odd years so this is based around a family that move away out into the countryside it's got a great cast actually Jason Clark as well as John Lithrow and Amy Schmetz in this just to name but a few but basically Jason Clark plays a gentleman called Lewis Creed uh, he decides to move his family out to the sticks where they've just purchased the home that comes with a truckload of land Sounds all good, right? But it turns out on this land is a pet cemetery where the village that lives nearby have been burying their pets there for a very, very long time. His neighbour, John Lithrow, plays a character called Judd who turns up out of the blue and starts uh, creeping around, essentially. He takes a liking to Lewis's daughter and the cat dies, unfortunately, and they go bury the pet in the pet cemetery. Who would have known? But then all of a sudden the cat turns up alive and well. I'm not going to go into too much more story details than that but basically the premise of this film is about death acceptance of death and how you move on in that um as, like, over the course of the film a tragedy strike a tragedy strikes the family and you can kind of connect the dots of what happens next within this in terms of the marketing this has been positioned as from the team that bought you it comes pet cemetery and yes there is definitely some similarities not in the story but in terms of the storytelling structure they go with here yes there are some jump scares but it definitely earns the right for them and also if you are a stephen king nuts there is tons of homage easter eggs peppered throughout the the film i wasn't looking for them and i spotted five of them and i might do a feature later on on all the different easter eggs that are dropped in this film and the first two-thirds of this film 
absolutely brilliant like it builds up the suspense it's really fun uh, but also it cuts you through a knife there are some really dramatic things if you're a parent there's a touching scene that is really gonna cut you deeply um if you're not a parent you're probably gonna still be taken in by it anyway there's some really good acting here on uh, on screen um john lithrow i i love when he goes in these weird roles where he's he's definitely not funny he's definitely trying to be a a surly old man there is a bit of a funny scene where he uh the cat as mentioned is called church after churchill and there's kind of a wink to the camera moment when john lithrow says oh i've heard of winston churchill obviously if you didn't know that he played that in a previous endeavor um like I say, there's some hot. There's actually some like comedy elements which I, I was quite surprised about. Um, it goes a bit weird, and uh, I don't know if I like it or not. The cat is absolutely tra- is absolutely chuffing, hilarious, and uh, the effects are absolutely fantastic. It gets a bit like I say, it goes a bit off rails towards the end. I don't know if I like the ending, and the ending does, hasn't sat well with me so far. And there's probably a, a feature for the podcast in that of what endings do not sit well with you, and it's for that reason. I walked away with a kind of eh, sicky feeling in my stomach. I didn't really enjoy it. Um, I was speaking to a couple of other podcasters as I was leaving and I was kind of, ah, so what did you think? And the sort of general vibe was a bit shit, really. I wouldn't go that far. I'd say that the first two thirds are brilliant and told in a really dynamic way. Uh, I've got to give a shout out to the director of this. This was directed by a gentleman called Kevin Clotch and Dennis Wimmer in kind of like a a twosome sort of direction role there. I, I generally enjoyed the first two thirds. I said it's that final third didn't quite stick the landing. In terms of scoring, I'm gonna go three out of five. But this is not. A, I'm gonna go. This is like an amazing three out of five. This is a. It just scrapes the the three out of five because the first half to two thirds of this film is really really good. It's just it really does not stick the landing. Um, that being said, I, I kind of hope to see what this production team goes on to make more. I kind of have this dream that there is that shared Stephen King universe and we get to actually see it connect tissues. I know they kind of attempt it a little bit of Dark Tower, but let's, let's just forget that that happened and uh, think about what the possibilities could be with this. Anyway, bring on It's Chapter 2. They're not related per se, but if it's that production house, then bring it on. I cannot wait. And hopefully they'll learn any lessons that need to be learned from the ending of this film. So there you go. Free out five pet cemetery streaming gems if you're watching this then i'm not around anymore but don't spiral don't obsess keep going so how are you a good day is when i don't go around wanting to shoot random strangers in the face and then turn the gun on myself it's been a while since we've done a streaming gem hasn't it john it has it's about time so there's enough good out there isn't there oh god there is so much good out there right now but uh, let's talk about something that dropped a couple of weeks ago afterlife it's a tv show written and directed by ricky gervais and um, i listened to a really interesting interview of him the other day about you know what, what do you want to do with your career sort of thing and he was talking about stand-up, how he can't wait to, to get back into doing stand-up again. But he also wanted to, to write a TV show end-to-end with pretty much 100% creative control. And uh, yes, he'd done that in the days of Derek in the office, but he missed those highs. So he, he had this opportunity with Netflix. And this is very much a character very close to his heart. John, what's this show about? So this show centres around uh, Ricky Gervais' character, Tony. Uh, so basic themes, grief, morality, mortality euthanasia (laughs) drug addicts you know this is dark okay so tony's just lost his wife uh played by kerry godleyman of cancer and he's decided life's meaningless he's just going to go around and say whatever the fuck he wants and be an arsehole um 
Obviously, this gets him into some bother and he ends up pushing away a lot of people that are close to him. Uh, I mean, it's got a stellar cast of comedic characters. So you've got uh, Kerry Godleman, you've got Diane uh, Morgan, i.e. Philomena Kunk, and you've got uh, just an amazing cast of characters. So, uh, yeah, so Tony, it's basically a six-part series. Tony slowly realises the problem is... Flinty, I don't know if you felt this. You watched the first episode and mm-hmm. you've seen Ricky Gervais's work before and you're like, I can, f- I think I know where this is going. Um, and having watched it all, I mean, I wasn't, I, I think I was about right with where it was going after seeing the first one. Spoiler alert. But um, that's sort of how I felt. I mean, I know you're halfway through it. Did you get that same feeling in the first episode? I felt that there was a formula forming really quickly in terms of you'll you'll kind of get it. There's kind of like a there's every morning he meets the postman, every day he'll take his dog for a walk, every day he goes to the office and every day there's a fallout and it felt like it was a bit repetitive, but then all of a sudden it's almost like the show realised it was becoming repetitive, so it would throw a real dramatic scene in. And this is the the I'm only up to episode the end of episode four and hmm. that episode ends in probably the darkest ending of a TV show I think I've ever seen that didn't have dragons or copious amounts of sex in. It was um, absolutely just gut punching. And I was like, and I was watching with my wife at the time and she went, I went, she's still my wife. It was just at the time we were watching it, it was with her. Anyway, <laughs> just so I cleared that up. Um, she, she let out to me and went, this stopped being funny all of a sudden. I was like, yeah, like I, I get it. I get Ricky Gervais' style. I get he's like his thing. And um, yeah, this is very much about laughing in the face of morality and how the mundane parts of being with your partner is absolutely treasurable and you should be treasuring this and take all that for not for granted. But yeah, there was a massive gut punch. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, this is, this is dark. But there's one line in this TV show, which kind of epitomises the character, and it's not a spoiler to say this. Um, Tony says, I don't believe in God, but I'd rather be nowhere with her than somewhere without her. And that pretty much epitomises the character and the journey he's trying to go through in this show. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great lines in this and a lot of great moments. Um, I'm really torn. I come in from this, I'm a huge Ricky Gervais fan. The Office, the UK Office, I would say is... One of the best TV sitcoms ever made. Probably the best, actually, I'd say. Uh, I love Extras. Good. Um, Life's Too Short. Maybe not. Derek was quite good as well. But I feel like as his career's gone on, he's getting more and more concentrated doing his own thing. And do you know what? I watched Fighting With My Family, which, by the way, is not a free out of fight film. <laughs> uh, but that we'll get on to that. I watched Stephen Merchant direct that so beautifully um, and tell the story so amazingly. It just seemed to be like, of course, like Ricky Race is missing his writing partner because Stephen Merchant gelled it all together, gave the realism to it. Um, this this whole show, Afterlife, is just not believable, which means it doesn't quite uh, touch the, pull the heartstrings as much as it feels like it wants to you know um Mm. it kind of jamie did my wife did cry at the last episode obviously no one does endings like ricky gervais um and stephen merchant but the ending's brilliant like 
really nice last episode although he has a, he seemed like he had five songs that he wanted to end the show on and he just kept playing <laughs> playing them with with scenes you know right but um well let's not let's so, not talk about potential season twos or anything like that because that might end up going into spoiler territory but um from what i've seen so far i definitely agree with you there is uh, an element missing of humanity um Maybe, like you say, maybe Stephen Merchant did bring that to the to the table. And uh, yeah, you're not the only person who uh, doesn't agree with my scoring. I've had a few people DM me with really long messages as to why not I'm wrong, but why uh, yeah, there's I, I was a bit harsh. And maybe on reflection, nah, I don't yeah, know. I was it's just still, surprised because you just. I felt like you gave it a really good review and I was like, there you have it, three out of five. I was like, <laughs> no, you tore my heart out. I was like, I was willing to give it five, to be honest. Were you? I thought fighting with my family was Wow. Stunning. Okay, I don't know if it's a um, five, but it's a really just, good three. <laughs> it's a, I'd say it's a really, really good four, maybe a five. But anyway, back to Afterlife. <laughs> I mean, we should talk about fighting with my family because it is better. Uh, but Afterlife... I mean, I would I'd struggle to give it more than a three. Definitely, um, there's some funny moments, genuinely funny moments, genuinely heartfelt moments. But then there's a lot of filler in the episodes where you just think this is just dark or non PC for for the sake of it, hmm. and I it just feels a little out of touch in a way as well. Are you getting that vibe from it? Yeah, it also feels like Ricky Gervais picked up his little black book and sort of went, you right, mate, what are you up to? Yeah, want to be in my TV show? Yeah, why don't you come be my dad? And, uh, oh, yeah, why don't you come be my postman? And, oh, I'm going to have a really yeah. charming scene with a prostitute, sorry, sex worker, and you're going to be like, you're going to be in it for a bit as well. And, yeah, it felt like it was Ricky Gervais and friends doing a really, <laughs> attempting to be really, really dramatic and, like you say, maybe just a bit too off-colour for the sake of it. That being said, there's some really charming bits to it. Um, it I think it flows really well. Uh, went through the first, like say, four episodes. Didn't realise I was nearly, you know, I was over halfway at that point. So it's nice and short, nice and compact. Look, if you're a Ricky Gervais fan, you will find something in here. Um, but John, I'm generally surprised to hear your review of this because I, I literally wrote on a note beforehand, John's giving this a five. So... <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I, I've got, I, li- I love Ricky Gervais, but if you follow him on Twitter... Um, you probably a lot of this show will be familiar to you because it's literally a lot of his tweets are in the show, right. even just uh, so. I mean, his whole character is really in Tony, which is uh, a, a fine, I guess, but it just doesn't. I don't know. It feels if you've read his tweets, you kind of feel like you've seen it or heard it. And I mean, a lot of people are loving this show, so I'm, you know more for me uh but i mean there are definitely people like me who think they might be rating it a bit highly um <laughs> but yeah i mean my biggest hope for the future is that ricky gervais and Stephen merchant get together and do something because i think ricky's missing Stephen. i'm not sure Stephen's missing ricky but maybe what hello ladies watch that maybe but um <laughs> i'd say uh i'm gonna have to give it a free well i agree with you uh well i haven't seen all of it from what i've seen so far yeah there's definitely it's definitely gonna be polarizing anyway uh you're either gonna like say absolutely love it or you're actually gonna hate it but people that generally hoped for for amazingness are probably gonna be a little bit disappointed so three out of five afterlife it's on netflix it's available now only six episodes so get on it and tell us what you think on twitter at talk filming to me
So it is game time and we are dusting off a classic. We played this with Zoe a few weeks back. We played it between me and John loads. Uh, it's called Talk Silly to Me. The concept of this is that John, the audio whiz kid that he is, has taken... Uh, classic scenes and quotes from various films in cinema splice them together with additional audio flair and i have to guess what the film or saying is from that film now to tie in with what we had last week with the giveaway and helen being on the show john you've gone 80s with us was this a uh, fun going down the old 80s nostalgia trip it has so many quotes to choose from isn't there so many good movies but i've tried to keep it varied so a few different genres few classics you'll get some Hopefully you won't get them all, but we'll see. Right, go on and hit me with it. Number one. First one, the old reverse of room. Right, you've reversed Are you ready? It. Okay, you've reversed it and you're going to play it back to me and I've got to figure out the film. Okay, go. Is it Ferris Bueller? No, it is Airplane. Oh, don't, don't call, call me Shirley. Me Shirley. <laughs> see, Shirley, Shirley backwards sounds like Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad guess I'll give you that okay okay uh, number two are you ready for the next one yep here go on we in. go what you done to I'll it give it to you again I've, I've made it lower and sort of kind of crazy and demonic okay you ready yeah yeah go on in I ain't getting that one at all, buddy. Um, I'm going to have to pass. What is it? It's a tough one. It's 21 gigawatts from Back to the Future. Oh, as soon you as... You know where we... Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I know exactly when. Oh, oh I'm letting myself I down. Too, I made this too hard. All right, next one. You ready? What are you down to it first? Um, I can't remember. I'm going to have to <laughs> <laughs> listen to it with you. Okay, let's go. Number three. Here here we go. I'll have what she's having when Hallie, Harry met Sally. When? Well done. I've turned her into a demon. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Well done. Okay. Right. This next one is a mashup. Okay. So we've got a famous song from a soundtrack. Nice. And... Uh, some dialogue slash rap from another one. I think you'll get this one. Are right. you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. The space goes down, 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 down the road. Sweet, 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 the, the dance, the song between Tom Hanks and the little boy when he comes back and catches them at the school. And Boom. it's Footloose, the music in the background. Oh, mate. There we go. Well done. So that is three points total out of a possible... I don't know. Let's go to the last one. Last are one. you ready? I'm ready. Well, what are you done to it first, though, before you... Uh, I can't remember, Flinty. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I know. I know. I. You know I couldn't not do this without a, a silly Worms high-pitched voice. Classic, John. So this is a high-pitched Worms voice. Here we go. All I have in this world is my balls and my word, and I don't break them for no Oh, All I have in this world is my balls and my words. Uh, is it an Uncle Buck quote? 
<laughs> it's not. It is. It's a bit of a curveball. It's Scarface. Oh. Early 80s gangster. So maybe you don't think that as a classic 80s, but it is Scarface. Yeah, so yeah, well yeah, done, yeah. Flinty. Who knew that you Uncle got a- Buck and Scarface dialogue can sound so similar? <laughs> I thought if I put say hello to my little friend, it's too easy, yeah, isn't it? So yeah, good. I thought I'd use the second best quote from that movie. Uh, Flinty, you got three out of six. It's not bad. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. It's silly enough. <laughs> <laughs> well done, mate. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Film with me. Keep an eye out on the Twitter account because from Friday uh, we're going to be doing a giveaway where we're giving away another one of Helen's books and also next week we're going to be doing a giveaway from our good friends at Dead Good Tea. So watch this space. Anyway, John, always a pleasure, buddy. How can people find you? You can also find me on the sewer that is Twitter at Descamento. <laughs> You can find me on the sewer of humanity that is Twitter. <laughs> um, next Come week we're going to be my filth. <laughs> next week we are going to be reviewing Shazam as well as talking about a little film called Us. But we're going to be doing as a kind of a non-spoilerific review. But then we're going to do a spoilerific special, which will also be dropping that week. So stay filmy till next time. Bye bye. Talk filmy to me.